When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. After their Nations League relegation last Friday, England and manager Gareth Southgate had 90 minutes to convince us they weren't sleepwalking towards World Cup humiliation. It's collected now by Bukayo Saka. That's brilliant play! Oh, 2-2! What a finish! Mason Mount for England! Yeah, they squeezed all the excitement into about 12 minutes in the end, didn't they? But the draw against Germany brought goals at last but maybe as many questions as answers. England correspondent Jack Pitt-Brook and senior writer Ollie Kay are on hand to answer those questions. I'm Ian Irving and this is the Athletic Football Podcast. So much to dissect then, including Harry Maguire's night, of course, but let's start with something a little bit more positive. Jude Bellingham has surely cemented his place for the World Cup, Jack, hasn't he? I think he cemented his place in the team. Probably the best thing about this break for England, these two games. He hadn't really played well for England in a big game before then. I thought he had some good moments in Milan on Friday, and then I thought he was fantastic last night. The way he takes the ball under pressure, moves it forward, you know, kept England on the front foot second half. Really, really good performance. Oli? Totally agree. He's been in the squad for a while, and he's and he's done well, and everybody can see the, the talent that he has, and everybody's excited by him. It wasn't always easy to see where he was going to fit in, how he was going to fit in as a, as a regular starter or or as a starter initially at the World Cup but I think we all saw it last night I've had it in my mind that he would be better suited to a 4-3-3 or, or a three-man central midfield but he made that work last night alongside Declan Rice I thought they, they both got through an awful lot of work were good off the ball for most of the game and as Jack said he, he, he brings real quality in possession and um, there was a period in the game where, where Germany were totally dominating possession but I think for the most part I'd say Bellingham gave Germany a lot to think about and and, and he, he yeah to me he has he has definitely played his way into the starting lineup and I'm relieved he's done that because um and relieved he's had the chance to do that because others haven't No that's true and it feels like that midfield pairing of Rice and Bellingham is a headache that Gareth Southgate doesn't need to worry about he's got plenty else on his plate certainly we'll get into your piece Ollie in a little while about this international break for Gareth Southgate where it leaves him and everything else aside but just to continue the positives for a moment Jack the substitutions worked didn't they and that's encouraging going into a major tournament because England are going to need the squad aren't they it's not just about the first 11. Yes and this is something that Southgate's been criticised a lot about over the last few years has been that he's unable to change the course of the game by using substitutions well but I thought yesterday the addition of Saka and Mount changed the game really you know it was Saka it was Saka's run and Mount's finish that provided that goal for England which made it 2 all. And they, you know, they both obviously raised the level of the team. I think it's particularly important because Saka, if 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 he sticks to three four three, Saka, Mount, and Foden, I think are basically competing for one place, which is on the right of the front three. And the fact that Saka and Mount both played so well shows that you know Foden's under pressure, which I think is really a good thing because it, you know it's competition for places in a good way. Yeah, absolutely right. They're the sort of small amount of positives. There are a few more, of course, for England after this international break. There is so much to get 
our teeth into though in terms of the the criticism and some of the negativity around the national team at the moment um was it really only 14 months ago that there was positive energy ollie you've written in your piece amongst other things of course the mood around the team has changed so much the draw last night the comeback of sorts helped but then obviously the error then from nick pope to to give germany the the equaliser just undid even that a little bit. It just feels like it's not quite going right at the moment. Yeah, if, if you look at the results since the Euros, it's been a bit up and down. I mean, there was that 10-0, wasn't there, um, uh, in, in the qualifiers. There's some be, been some big wins, but I think the Nations League games have been a bit of a reality check. With it's been three draws and three defeats, that is in no way good. They've finished bottom of the group. They're relegated to the second tier of the Nations League. It's been disappointing. But I think normally in this situation, you would be playing mid-ranking South American or North American or African or Asian or even European opposition to familiarise yourself with different tests ahead of the World Cup. It's normally fairly low-key, the build-up to a big tournament fixture wise with the Nations League there's none of that it's been against, they've been playing against Italy twice Germany twice Hungary who have surprised everybody twice certainly surprised England at Molyneux so I'd say it's it's been a different kind of build up and it's obviously really fragmented anyway with it being a, a World Cup which starts in November so it's it's not like we're comparing like with like really but I, I think we would all look at it and perhaps wish there'd been more experimentation and wish that we'd had more of a look at say Trent Alexander-Arnold at, at right back or right wing back Tamori at centre back I'd have loved to have seen Foden in midfield at some point or, or Ivan Tony in attack you know the, the, there are so many players who you think well surely they should have got more game time here and it, perhaps it's because of the nature of these tests the Nations League format the fact that they're competitive games competitive games against leading nations perhaps that is what has made it less experimental than I think Southgate would ideally have wished. And the pressure on the England manager at the moment as well, do you think that led to the teams becoming less and less experimental in that sense? Yeah, I think I think they did. And you, you look at what's happened, what happened in the um, the game at Molyneux against uh, Hungary back in, in June. That was, a, that was a fairly experimental lineup. That was a much more attacking lineup than we're used to. It's different central centre-back pairing and, and, and it was a much more lightweight, creative midfield than, than we're used to seeing with Southgate. And it didn't work. It was it was pretty disastrous. It was England's worst performance in a long time, really. So I think that has prompted him to go back in the other direction, go more conservative, pick more of the experienced players. And although a lot of us in the media and fans are no doubt wondering who's going to be in the squad and whether any of these marginal calls are any of the clearer, and I don't think a lot of them are, I think he's ended up deciding, well, I need to get the first 11 right. I need to get the system right and work out what plan A is before I start fretting too much about whether it's Ivan Tony or Dominic Calvert-Lewin or Ollie Watkins or, or whoever to, to take the last striking berth. It seems like those decisions have just been deprioritised, really. Yeah, and Jack, do you, do you think he has firmed up in his mind what the starting eleven is going to be, what the what the preferred formation is going to be, what the preferred partnerships are going to be throughout the team? Or, or does it feel actually, in a sense, that he's further away from that than at any point during his time as England boss? No, I definitely think it's some things I think are clear at this point. Clearly, it's going to be the back three, at least for the for the start of the group stages, um, because he's played it in both these two games. I think you know, even at the end of even at the end of the June camp, I think it was apparent that he wanted to go back to basics, which I think in, in his case means the back three, centre back. Not entirely clear on the personnel, but I think it'll probably it won't be very different from Maguire, Stones, and Walker unless Dyer comes in. It'll certainly be James at right wing back. I think it'll probably be short at left wing back. Rice and Bellingham are secure, and then it's going to be Kane, Sterling, and one other. Uh, those three guys you mentioned earlier, Foden, Saka, and Mount. So I think the team looks kind of 90 percent 
settled at this point. And that's all right. Yeah, yeah, you got to know. Like it's better to know than to not know. Like we, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, ultimately, because, I think well, that's the debate, quite, isn't it? There's quite, a, the there's quite a big chance that the team won't know that because someone will get injured. Like we've got yeah. six. You know, there's six weeks left of football during which time. If you play for a top, if you play for one of the, the top teams, you're going to be playing twice every week. Like the chances of none of those players getting an injury. I mean, we saw Stones limp off yesterday. We don't know what's going to happen with Stones, but the chance of none of those guys getting an injury, I think, is actually pretty low. Uh, so maybe you know when they take the field at the for the Iran game, it will look a bit different. But at the moment, I think that's how it's going to look. Yeah, especially with October having so many matches in as well. At, at- uh, club level of course um, Oli that, that's the debate though isn't it really I, I suppose because England have underperformed during this nation league campaign and, and the team that, that Jack's sort of pointing out there is very similar to what it was at the start of this campaign and it has underperformed and there are players around the squad that, that fans are beginning to sort of home in on who are in the team and who aren't in the team I wonder whether it is a positive that it is so settled I'm sure Gareth Southgate wants it to be and he, he seems very keen to, to back his players in that sense as well yeah, I think he's. I think he's almost come full circle with it because I think if you look at the lineups through the through the qualifiers and through some of the early Nations League games, he he was you know he was experimenting quite a lot, particularly in the friendlies back in March, experimenting a lot, looking at different players, Maguire who I'm sure we will come to because he's he's <laughs> central to this conversation. He's not actually played, or he hadn't played all that many of those the games over the previous 12 months. He, you know, he'd been rested on occasions. Southgate had looked at Connor Cody and Tyrone Mings, Ben White, Tamori, Gurhi. There have been various things looked at. Not too many of the players who have been looked at have really made a, an overwhelming case. So it comes down to or it comes back to whether Southgate wants to sort of really hone in on one of those younger players to sort of take over from Sterling or whether it's take over from Maguire or Luke Shaw or whoever and he's ended up in all three of those cases thinking I go with the player I trust because he does trust them and whether that trust is frayed or or fading in 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 the case of Maguire I expect it is I expect it goes from a 100% 100% confidence to a, a lot less than that. But I think if, it, if, if the World Cup was starting tomorrow, I think Harry Maguire would, would be starting too. How much of a problem is Harry Maguire now to Gareth Southgate, Jacker? I mean, speaking from a, a United perspective, doing the Talk of the Devils pod, he's been a talking point, of course, for, for United fans for a long time. The summer was bizarre, really, I think, with England fans and the way that they reacted to Maguire. If you judge him on his England performances, because he's been very good in the white of England consistently over the last few years, team of the tournament in the Euros just last, or the summer before last. How much of an issue is it for Southgate? How much of a, a defining decision could it be about whether he keeps faith with, with Harry Maguire or not? Yeah, I think it's one of the biggest decisions he's ever had to take. So far, I think Southgate has always been very... He has been loyal to the guys who've been there with him from the start. You know, Pickford's still there, Walker, Sterling. He's stuck by Pickford, for example, through some pretty difficult times at Everton. Whereas Maguire, at the moment, he's continued to play in the England team while not being in the Man United first team. I wonder, A, whether we'll see six more weeks of this, of him barely playing for United, or maybe just playing in in Europe, and whether whether that will impact Southgate's thinking or not. Clearly, I think Ollie's right. At the moment, you'd bet on him playing, but I uh, I just don't know. I don't know. That doesn't. It doesn't feel like a permanently sustainable position. That 
to me. But equally, Southgate might think, well, look, the World Cup's only less than two months away. If we can just get him on the field there, then we can wonder about the longer-term picture afterwards. Yeah, I agree with Jack. But And I feel that particularly in the circumstances where Maguire hadn't really kicked a ball for United for, what, what is it, nearly six weeks, I think it was important to look at him in this game. But I would have said it was, all, it was also important to try and work out what plan B would be. I think if plan A still involves Harry Maguire, I can understand that. Maybe some other people can't or don't want to understand that. But I can understand it, but what I find harder to understand is why we haven't really seen a plan B evolve, which I think a lot of people fancy Fikayo Tomori for that role. He's clearly a very impressive young player. Mark Gehi at Crystal Palace is impressive, but we've not really seen them get enough action and minutes over these games. And while I can understand the need to give Maguire all the match practice he can get at the moment, and he still looks well, to, to be honest, this will sound stupid, but apart from giving away that goal in appalling circumstances or appalling manner, giving the ball away and then bringing the player down, I thought he played well. He looked fairly solid in, in he did, the first yeah. half, especially. But then yeah. you have to say, you know, it, it's quite a big except when you're saying apart from giving that goal away and, and then sort of having a part in the second goal. So it's a concern. It's a major concern. But I don't think it's... I don't think it's black and white in Southgate's mind. I think, as Jack says, he will um, he will have to revisit it if Maguire, for example, is playing in the Europa League and and sort of making mistakes in every game because that that hasn't been what Maguire's been like in the past. I don't think he's ever been this sort of wonderful imperious figure for club and country but I don't think mistakes of that type last night I don't think that's been typical so that looked a bit like a player who was rusty and and, and they can't really afford for him to be rusty at the the World Cup and Jack is that a player as well who who is He's struggling with this huge weight of scrutiny on his shoulders at the moment as well. What's your take on that? Because he seems to be a, a lightning rod for everything at the moment for club and country. I mean, you look at some of the stuff on social media that's directed his way. Every time he takes to the pitch, whether he plays well, he plays poorly or somewhere in between, it must be such a struggle for him at the moment. Yeah, I, I do. I, that is my impression that it is... It is a bit of a burden, that that huge amount of pressure and scrutiny that he has for both club and country. I think that's the thing with Maguire, and you know, other people at The Athletic will know more about Maguire and know more what he's like than me, but my perception of it is that there's, there's this kind of idea in English football that we really want him to be this kind of lion-hearted figure in the tradition of, you know, Terry Butcher or John Terry or Saul Campbell or Tony Adams or whatever. But I think, I'm not sure that's necessarily him. Like, he doesn't, there have been times where he's not playing so well and it does seem to get to him. You know, he maybe he doesn't have that kind of impenetrable thick skin that, you know, Adams or Jay, or John Terry had in quite the same way. I don't know, that's, you know, this is me doing amateur psychology here. But I do, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's pretty clear that he, his performances in the last year or so have kind of struggled a bit under the scrutiny that he's faced and I I just don't know whether or not that puts him in the right position to to succeed at the World Cup. That's the question, isn't it? Um, Carl Anker, one of our colleagues for The Athletic, Ollie, tweeted that he needs saving from himself, extended leave and something with less scrutiny, stroke responsibility when he returns. He doesn't become the player he used to be by asking him to play like that right now. Do you think he, he, he needs a spell out of the, the England spotlight? I mean, the next game is the World Cup, so mm. spell out of the spotlight means he's not <laughs> playing at a major tournament. That's, that's not like missing a couple of friendlies, is it? No, you, you remember the period um was it the start of last season 
what was the season before, where, where he was, you know, he had the business after, um, you know, the court case and there was a lot of scrutiny on him then and he played against Denmark and he had a sort of terrible game for England. That, that to me, was his, his only really, really bad game for England and, and he got sent off and it was, you know, it was, it was an awful performance. And I remember saying at that point, this guy needs a rest, he needs to be taken out of the firing line because he is really struggling. I think right now what he needs is to be in the firing line. Maybe not, doesn't need people highlighting everything he's doing and and feeling that scrutiny but the only way he can get back to playing like he can which you know to repeat isn't Virgil van Dijk's standard or Aramaric Laporte's standard but it's it's, it can be very good it was very good for England at the last two tournaments I think he needs to be to be playing I think he I think he could really do with um, something falling into place at United where where he's playing more regularly certainly the Europa League game certainly the Carabao Cup game maybe the old maybe the old Premier League game as well and I think he needs that because I thought the way he played last night other than <laughs> other than um, the, the, the terrible mistake I thought it was somebody who would seem pretty pretty sure of himself under the circumstances he didn't seem nervous but there was just that moment wasn't it where he, where he just telegraphed that pass and then in a sort of rusty attempt to make amends he, he gave the penalty away in a pretty clumsy crass fashion so I think he need, I think he needs to be playing rather than not playing my impression with Maguire and again you know I would defer to people who watch him more often than I do but I feel like he needs he needs everything going he needs everything in his game to be right for him to look good when he's on top of his game he can look really really good like he's assured he's confident He's sort of authoritative. He's good at bringing the ball out from the back. He's very emphatic in the way that he tackles people and everything. But because he's... um, Maybe this is because he's not... You know, he's not necessarily... He's not the most talented player on the ball that I've ever seen. Or maybe he's not... He's also not the most agile uh, mover around the pitch compared to someone as graceful as, like, I don't know, Rio Ferdinand, for example. Who's, you know, more obviously a more naturally gifted player than Maguire. That means that when Maguire's... When Maguire isn't on top of his game, he suddenly goes from looking very good to looking very bad quite quickly. So I think that when he, you know, when it's not really working for Maguire, he's, he feels a little bit more, maybe a little bit more exposed than other players who, you know, for whom some of these things may become a bit more naturally to him. So in that sense, I do feel a bit sorry for him because his, you know, it seems like his mistakes are just a bit more, a bit more obvious. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, well, Harry Maguire by no means is the only player with a question mark over his head in the England team at the moment, Jack. You referred to it earlier on. Phil Foden actually is perhaps another one who, you know, started last night, but that position as the third man in the attack alongside Sterling and Kane is in question, isn't it? And he just doesn't seem to have quite managed to replicate his best City form for England. Is that because of the position, because of the players he's around? What, what, why do you think that is? Well, yeah, I mean, I think this is, if you were going to criticise... If you wanted to criticise Southgate, I think this is something that you, sh- 
he could fairly be criticised about. Foden made it, you know, Foden's no secret. Foden's been playing for England age group teams for years. He made his senior debut two years ago. He's not really played well for the senior team yet. Uh, not in a big game. I don't really know what his best position is for England. He's played all over the place for England in all sorts of different positions and systems. don't really think Southgate knows how best to use him. The last two games he's played on the right of the front three. Hasn't really done an awful lot, to be honest. And I, you know, I think Saka and Mount did, have done sufficiently well, especially last night, that makes me think they'll probably start ahead of him. So yeah, Foden, it, doesn't, it hasn't quite clicked yet for Foden for England. Is it in Southgate's mind, Ollie, as well, that when Foden has probably played him the position that we expect him long-term to be in, in that, that number 10 role, which actually he's not really played that much for, for Pep Guardiola's Manchester City, maybe as much as we'd expect either. Is that in Southgate's mind when he's trying to fit him in? It's almost like he wants Foden to play more than the position suits Foden playing, if that question makes sense yeah it, it's a it's a fairly similar position to the position he plays at, at man city you know why a wide role in the, in the front three whether it's wide right or wide left i think the difference is you know particularly difference with last night man city are generally averaging like 75 80 percent possession in, in 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 a lot of these games he's getting constant opportunities to be on the ball he's got kevin de bruyne he's got bernardo different players sort of moving around and outside him he's got he's got erling Haaland now and i think it's perpetual motion that team and 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 this team this england team is not like that it's a team that's you know people are more fixed in their positions and it's it's probably a big big change for him i think if we look at it over the years an awful lot of England's sort of wide attacking players haven't really clicked in the same way for for the country as, as they have for the club. I remember John Barnes and Chris Waddle talking about this in the back in the eighties about how few chances you get to to express yourself. It's one on one, but it's. I, I knew you were so, going to do that. So I think I think Foden is in a difficult position. I think if it's hard to replicate what he does for Manchester City, then then you know maybe a more sort of orthodox wide player, whether it's a, a Saka, you know Saka did really well when he came on, or whether it's Jaden Sancho coming back into the squad, whether it might be Grealish, I don't know. You know. They might be players who offer more, but I, I, I think if I was picking a team, I would, I would pick Phil Foden just because I, I love him as a player and, and, and I, I would want it to work. But it hasn't really been working yet. And I, you know, the, the Euros, he was the one that started in the Euros, and he didn't, he, he didn't really catch fire the way that say Saka did. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a difficult one. I do think that because Foden's played his whole career at City and for Guardiola City, coming out of that into England is actually quite difficult. I think he has, it looks to me from the outside as if he has found that transition difficult. Like it's, uh, you know, it's kind of because you don't have that, that kind, you're not surrounded by that same synchronised movement and complex patterns that you get at City. And so I think he, at times in the Euros, I thought he was trying to do too much by himself, you know, trying to take on too many people and everything. Uh, but it's a li- it's a little bit like the Alexander Arnold debate, isn't it? It's you know we've got this brilliantly talented player. Does that mean that Southgate has a responsibility to get them in the team, or should he just pick the players who actually fit the roles that he wants them to do? Yeah, that that is a debating point. I mean, with Trent Alexander Arnold, is he even getting in the squad, Ollie? That that's that's the factor, isn't it? I mean, you know, there's there's an article on the Athletic from James Pearce about you know the Liverpool take on Alexander Arnold not making England squads when he's such an important player for them. There, there is a jarring of the of the judgment on Merseyside compared to 
to Gareth Southgate's opinion. Yeah, and again, it's an issue where you're going from one team which is sort of expansive and and he's on the ball so much at Liverpool to a, a setup which is really very different. I mean, it's not it's not the polar opposite of, of that, but it's much it's a much more orthodox, conservative way of playing with England. I think if you look at the way Alexander Arnold's played for England, if I was speaking after the um, after the Euros final about just over twelve months ago, and if you've been saying what what team would you want for the for the World Cup, I think. I'd have said right. Well, I'd want Alexander Arnold at right back, and and I'd want I'd want Foden, but not not out wide. I'd want Foden in midfield. But we've not seen those things. We've not seen those things develop. When he has played Alexander Arnold, he's not really looked like he believes it and feels it and feels the trust and and feels the. Well, is that surprising when he's struggling to even make squads though? No, it's it's a chicken and egg thing, really, isn't it? It's I mean he, he was he was dropped. When he's he was dropped at the sort of first sign of a loss of form, what was it about eighteen months ago when Liverpool were going through that sticky patch? His form actually the last few months or the, the, the first couple of months of the season hasn't been great at Liverpool. I think I think that has to be acknowledged. And I think it's people will say, well, what, well, Harry Maguire's in, Luke Shaw's in. And I think the competition for places is completely different in those two positions, left back and centre back to um, to what it's like at right back, where you've got James Walker, Trippier, Alexander Arnold. It's the, the competition for places is is crazy and yeah I could see a situation where Alex Arnold doesn't make the, make the cut because he's he seems to be fourth in line for those for those slots and I, I was really surprised that Southgate didn't take the opportunity to look at to look at him against Italy uh, I thought that would have I thought it was a, a real opportunity to against Germany and, and to, to test him against um, really good opposition in in that role that we've not really seen him play very often. I've done a bit of a U-turn on Alexander-Arnold. I used to think, I used to hold what you might call the James Pierce view on this, which is that he's so good, it would be crazy crazy and somehow insulting or disrespectful to not pick him. I know, I kind of don't really think that anymore. I now think, if Southgate doesn't trust him, what's the point of him even being around? I don't really think it does anyone any good. Alexander-Arnold being in this weird kind of fringe position on the edge of the England squad, like getting called up but not playing. But, but should Southgate trust him? I, I guess that's the question and the, the point of criticism, isn't it? No, not really. Not necessarily, because what you, you know, you're never going to get Liverpool Alexander Arnold in an England shirt because Liverpool are Liverpool. Like they've got Klopp, they've got lots of other world class players. They, you know, they train together all the time and have done since 2015. It's just very, very different. You know, you're not gonna, you can't replicate what what he is able to do with his club for England. So I think you know, if Southgate isn't going to trust him, why why should should he pretend like he's on the edge of his plans? But isn't it just cleaner for everyone to not involve him? I don't know. I, I guess as well, Jack, within that, it's another sort of symbol or, or emblem is probably a better way of putting it of the scrutiny that's on Southgate at the moment. It's these types of decisions because the results haven't been great over the past 12 months that he's getting judged on now. And obviously if... England are winning football matches the, the criticism and scrutiny is a lot lower than than now so it is the type of decision to, to pick Harry Maguire to leave Alexander-Arnold out of a squad what to do with Phil Foden all these types of, of matters are they just bigger issues now because of the form of the team is that too simplistic I don't think anyone cares the, the fact is if the team are winning people don't care who's playing like he self you know it doesn't matter who you, like all this selection stuff is just a stick to beat him with if if the results and performances are bad and then people you know if people see the results are bad then they use that and be like oh the results are bad because he hasn't picked this player that I like so I actually think that as I mean Southgate kind of referenced this in the in his press conference yesterday he said he can't just he can't just govern by popularity he can't just he can't just pick the, the popular players to avoid criticism I to, to be honest the the fact that he includes Alexander Arnold in his squads and doesn't play him does smack to me a little bit of exactly that you know he's picking him Trying 
trying to keep people show. happy. Oh, look, I picked him. I picked him. You know, don't yeah. don't complain about me, Liverpool fans. So I I kind of feel like thinking about the popularity or not of selection de- decisions before you think about the success or not of the team is completely the wrong way around of doing it. I think he just he has to pick the best team or the team that he thinks is the best team and then worry about getting slagged off for not for not picking whoever afterwards. How much scrutiny should there be on his position, Ali, at the moment, Gareth Southgate? Scrutiny on decisions and scrutiny on selections because well I think I, I was surprised when he signed a, a new contract to take him to twenty twenty four, which I felt, to my mind, I know this isn't a unanimous view, but to my mind, I think he's done a really, really good job as England manager. But I've been around long enough to see England managers look, you know, look very good going into a tournament and look like a busted flush after a tournament because, you know, I bet you won't find many of the coaches at the World Cup having signed long-term contracts to to, to take them in to take them into the next um, tournament cycle. It, it's it's. I thought that was unnecessary. I, I just think why not just leave it open. You know, I don't think they were going to lose him to a top club job. I don't think Chelsea were going to appoint him or anything like that. I think if he wasn't, if he hadn't signed a contract, I think we would all be signing. We would all be saying, well, he's got to perform or he's out of a job. But that that's just normal. That's that's just normal international football after going into a tournament. So. I think although he's done a really good job, there, there's got to be this feeling or worry at the back of the FA's minds that that it might be that this is a tournament too far or that, or that the next tournament would be a tournament too far. I, I don't know because to me, they've been sort of treading water a little bit since the Euros and they've not really evolved the way I'd expected uh, or hoped. Performances results haven't been great. I definitely don't think there's any case whatsoever for saying they should change coach before the World Cup I think that would be absolute madness and I don't think that would be fair because I think he's done a good job and I don't think it would be the right thing to do anyway but it's yeah I think in terms of what happens after the World Cup I think he needs to get to a certain standard of performance and standard of results in order to um, keep his job or avoid scrutiny serious scrutiny Alright his immediate future not in question Jack but does it feel like Qatar could well be the end of the, the Southgate cycle for you despite the fact that he's got that contract in place for for two more years or is it just going to depend on what they do in the World Cup which again seems like a really simplistic way of placing a manager's future really my instinctive reading of the situation is that it's far likelier that he will quit than that he's sacked I can't see the FA sacking him and maybe if they lost all three games but I think if that happened he would quit anyway I think it's it it feels to me like it is likelier that he will say I've done my bit I've done my time I've done my three tournaments uh, it's time for somebody else to have a go who knows this could be another of my terrible predictions but that's just my uh, how I kind of read the, the feeling at the well, moment well you said exactly the same back in the summer Jack as well when we spoke on this podcast when there was even some murmurings then of, of discontent around England fans opinion of Southgate that you felt it was more likely to quit I just don't think yeah I just don't think it's sustainable for him it depends on it, it depends a lot on the fans I think but I think Qatar and also how we think the fans will be will be in the next cycle, but I don't really think it's sustainable for him to be getting abused by the fans all the time. And I don't think he would want that, and I don't think anybody would want that really. And also, to be honest, I think I know I know they were good yesterday, and yesterday was to be honest their best performance of the year, which in itself is quite damning because they weren't that good. But <laughs> they were um, they have looked quite stale. You know, they have yeah. they haven't they haven't scored a lot of a lot of goals. They haven't created a lot of chances. They they've not won any of the last they, six they, games. They haven't it's won the first yeah, they've time since '93. I, I know. Yeah. It's kind of coloured by the comeback yesterday. They they have had a disastrous Nations League campaign. The results have been awful. The performances, they've had one good performance out of six, which was yesterday. And I think arguably maybe it is time for a bit of a little bit of fresh energy in the team. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Okay, let's leave it there. Then, of course, there'll be more debate, more scrutiny about the decisions and about Gareth Southgate's future as we build up to the World Cup in two months' time now. Um, it's only just around the corner. The next time England kick a ball, of course, will be in Qatar. When that match takes place, Ollie, against Iran, what's your starting eleven? Oh, God, I, I think I'm going to get people cancelling their subscription or or just you're going to pick throwing... alexander arnold aren't you uh, do you know what and henderson and milner <laughs> pickford that's an easy one i think i would have Maguire, and the the reason i would have Maguire is an alternative hasn't arisen in terms of that left-sided central defender whether it's in a back three or a back four that alternative hasn't arisen and the reason that alternative hasn't hasn't arisen is because of selections i was hoping to see tamori or gehi in, in in one of these games or in the games that they did play making a really really sort of strong partnership uh, you know alongside john stones or I, I would see it as john stones being a being a shoe in so that that's me excusing why because of the lack of time and total lack of time between the, the end of the premier league or the, the pause in the premier league season and that first game against iran i think you've got to go with what's tried and trusted by which i mean tried and trusted by the manager because there are too many unknown quantities with, with others. And it's a terrible situation to be in because I think they should be in a better position by now. So I've got Pickford back four because I, I, I just prefer the 4-3-3. Walker, Stones, Maguire, Shaw. And I'm not happy with it. And I know other people will hate me for it, but that, that's what I'm doing. Midfield, question mark, Rice and Bellingham. Front three, Foden, Kane, Sterling. So it's not too different to... Um, Southgate's thinking, but I, but I would I'd be, make myself really unpopular again by saying Jordan Henderson in midfield. Over who? Well, it's probably over a central defender. It's probably over no, it's probably over a over a right back over, over Reese James because Reese James is is the player who drops out of the last night's lining lineup, and it would be um, Walker to right back and Henderson in midfield. And I just think with the players England have got to come off the bench. Saka, Mount, Gr- Grealish, and others. It, you know, Sancho. I would hope hits form by then. Uh, Reese James. I think there are so many ways you can you can go into that a, a, a match with that kind of lineup, control it, hopefully get into the lead, and then perhaps sort of twist from a position of strength or or, or twist if you need to. I, so I, I think my lineup is really boring. I think it's. Uh, I think some people will hate it, but I think it's the kind of thing that Southgate will have to do because of what he's done so far. Jack, who are you going for? Back three, Pickford, Walker, Dyer, Stones as my back three. I think we saw last night Stones doesn't have to play in the middle of the three. He played in the right of the three yesterday. I think that. So you're dropping Maguire then? I'm dropping Maguire. I don't think it. I just don't think it makes sense to pick him at the moment. So even though Stones doesn't have a lot of experience in the left of the three, I would just trust him to figure it out because he's a good player. And that way you get Dyer in the middle, which is what he did for both these games. James at right wing back is an obvious one. Shaw at left wing back, I think, is also obvious. You know, he's Southgate's not a huge fan of Chilwell and Saka doesn't play there for Arsenal. So It they, worked last night as well, didn't it? Picking yeah. Luke Shaw despite ha- his club form, conversely to, to Harry Maguire. Maybe. I know, yeah. I, obviously, I've, got, I've held Shaw and Maguire to completely different standards here uh, and being a big hypocrite, but it's my team, so that's my right. Uh, then in the middle, I've got Rice and Bellingham. Uh, that kind of picks itself. Kane, Sterling, and then it's quite... It was a really even choice between Saka, 
Saka, Foden and Mount, and I've just about gone for Saka. Well, he's Saka from the start, but I'm liable to change my mind on that one. So it's not that different from from what we've seen over these last two games, to be honest. Why Saka? I don't think... I mean, Foden's not really played well for England before, and Mount... Mount had had played better for England than Foden has, and Mount gives you a bit extra in terms of defensively, in terms of creativity, like knitting the play together. I do... I think he adds a lot to the overall game. But I just really like Saka's pace. He's direct, he works hard, and he's very intelligent he can have a big impact so maybe I've got this the wrong way around maybe it makes more sense to start Foden and bring on Saka in the second half but yeah, I've written down Saka and I'm going to stick with it. Fair enough. And, and just as a final point to both of you, really, if, see if either of you have got a strong opinion on this. Is there anyone who's not even in the squad at the moment who you think has a chance of making that first 11? Is there any potential for surprise or not? The one player who hasn't played at all for the seniors in the Southgate, who I, I hasn't even been called up for a squad, but who I can just about see it is Ryan Sessegnon because he really? is playing he, he's one of the few players who is he's playing as a left wing back he's literally playing the, in the system that England play and England don't have any specialist left wing backs you know Shaw, Shaw's barely even playing for Man United like he hasn't played I don't think he's played a minute in the Premier League since half time at Brentford when they were 4-0 down not a left wing back either whereas Sessegnon yeah. literally plays in this position for Tottenham who are one of the best teams in the country and you know Southgate knows him because he's played an awful lot for the England youth group teams he played the 21s the other day he's really he's looking better and better under Conte so I just think if Sessegnon has a really good six next six weeks I just wonder if he might somehow scrape it I think people will will be thinking James Madison might have a chance but I don't think he has I, I think um, I don't think Southgate particularly fancies him Marcus Rashford oh in terms of players who are currently out of the squad I, I think Rashford and, and Sancho have got a reasonable chance of playing their way back in because they, they've actually you know they've actually played alright the, the, the last month or so for, for, for Man United and certainly playing better than they were for much of last season so I would think they've got a decent chance I mean Sancho might be vying with, with Jared Bowen for that sort of final attacking space but if that's the case you know they might they might spend a lot of time on the bench if Rashford and Sancho keep playing well for Man United and are fit and looking good I would I would fast track them both into the squad in a heartbeat no no you know they are they are comfortably better than lots of the alternatives that England will take mm, otherwise I agree the fact is that England have, the fact is England have massively declined since Rashford stopped playing so well for them like you know they England don't have a third goal scorer it's all Kane no. and Sterling and they've really suffered since Rashford stopped scoring goals for England so yeah I would uh, I would definitely shortcut Rashford straight back into the system yeah I feel like we've opened a can of worms there with that final question we could have done a whole <laughs> podcast just on that but we'll have to leave it there Ollie and Jack thank you very much for being with us For unrivaled England coverage in the lead-up to the Qatar World Cup and so much more besides, simply subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months. Go to theathletic.com forward slash football pod. We'll be back tomorrow at roughly the same time in the afternoon. But for the minute, thanks for listening. Hit subscribe and we'll see you again soon. The Athletic.